now, here is Dr. Watson to introduce the case of the lion's mane. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, in, in the late summer of 1902, I left number 221B Baker Street for the last time, and that autumn married my dear second wife. I subsequently heard that Sherlock Holmes remarked, The good Watson has deserted me for a wife, the only selfish action which I can recall in our association. <laughs> Far be it from me to suggest that the loss of his chronicler precipitated his own retirement. But the following year, he persuaded our faithful landlady and housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson, to dispose of the Baker Street rooms and set up a new home for him in Sussex, on that part of the Downs which stretches from Brighton to Eastbourne. An occasional brief visit was the most that I ever saw of him. It was during one of these, in July 1907, that there chanced to arise a problem as abstruse and unusual as anything I'd recorded at any stage of Holmes's career. There had been a severe channel gale the night before, but this morning the wind had abated and all nature was newly washed and fresh. Before breakfast, Holmes and I were strolling along the cliff path, enjoying the exquisite air. Splendid, my dear Watson. Splendid. No doubt about it, Holmes. You chose your place well. All these miles of beach and cliffs, not a soul to disturb you. Peace and quiet to pursue my studies and farm my bees with the anticipation of the next visit from my friend and former colleague. Your colleague still, I hope. What more could I desire? You're not troubled by triplets from Fulwell? Oh, not at all. And this school, um, what's the man's name? Packer. No, no. The Gables is merely a place for special coaching. A crammers. No more than a couple of dozen young fellows preparing for various professions. A handful of tutors. Why, look. There goes Stackhurst himself. Good morning, Stackhurst. Morning, Mr. Holmes. Thought I'd see you about on such a day. Going for a swim, I see. <laughs> At your old tricks again. Yes. But person started early. I expect I'll find him down there. There'll be excellent swimming today. These storms leave the goons after the tide turns. Is MacPherson a member of Stackhurst's staff? Hmm, the science master. A fine, upstanding young fellow. Unfortunately crippled by heart trouble after rheumatic fever. Oh. But he excels in any exercise that doesn't train him too far. Summer and winter he takes his swim and I... What was that? Stackhurst? Come, Watson, this path. Holmes! Holmes! Are you there? Yes, Stackhurst. Coming, Stackhurst! Quickly, Watson. I'm with you, Holmes. Along here. It's Paul McPherson. My friend's a doctor, thank goodness. Was he drowning? No, no, no. He was hurrying up the beach towards the park. Yeah. Just as I caught sight of him, he, he began to stagger. His legs just buckled and he gave a dreadful cry. Yes, we heard it. He collapsed. As I knelt beside him, he muttered two or three words, mm. then half raised himself on the ground. Some sort of convulsion, it appeared. And then collapsed. There's nothing I can do, I'm afraid. He's, he's dead. Dead? Well, I feared as much. Stackhurst, you say he spoke a few words. What were they? Well, they were blurred and indistinct, and yet, absurd as it may seem, I swear he said, the lion's mane. Holmes, this? Come here. Look at this. Well, what have you found? Look at his back. See the wheels all over it? The devil has been flogged. Flogged? But that's absurd. Oh, with all respect. Doctor, see to yourself, sir. Some kind of thin, wild scourge, in my opinion. 
see where the strokes have curved on his shoulders and ribs. This, coupled with the signs of agony in the features, is... What's the trouble, Mr. Sackhurst? Ah, Murdoch. There's been a tragedy. What? Who? Oh, McPherson. I'm afraid so. He's dead. Oh, poor fellow. Poor fellow. What can I do? How can I help? Uh, Mr. Murdoch, you weren't with McPherson then. No. I was late this morning. I wasn't on the beach at all. I've just come down from the school. I saw you all here and... Good Lord. Those marks. What... What fiend did that to him? Mr. Murdoch, if you'll be so kind, anything... Please go straight to the police station at Polworth, report the matter, and tell them I shall remain here. Of course. At once. Now, Watson, I observe that in your commendable haste to examine the body, you rearranged the clothing somewhat. Uh, Will you please tell me exactly how McPherson was dressed? Yes, sir. Well, pretty strange there. Uh, Just that overcoat, his trousers and canvas shoes. Unlaced, I noticed. Dreadful business. But those marks on him, I, I, I don't understand. If I'm not mistaken, Stackhurst, wasn't there some trouble in the past between McPherson and murder? Oh, there was, there was an incident. Uh, I considered it closed. Concerning McPherson's dog, I believe. Uh, well, it irritated Murdoch in some way, and he hurled it through a window. He has these ferocious outbursts. They're by no means connected only with poor McPherson. I prefer to overlook them. He's a very valuable man. Quite. No bathing costume, Holmes. He wasn't wearing one either. Well, it's um, quite secluded here, Doctor. Uh, no spectators, you know. Right, yeah. Yet instead of swimming, he threw on his clothes and shoes in some haste. You mean to say that someone had come down to the water's edge and flogged him? Signs of a struggle in the sand, Holmes. No, but this lagoon is almost entirely surrounded by rock and shingle. Now, uh, let me examine his coat pockets. Uh, see if there's anything in them. Ah. Uh, yes, I think it's this. No markings. Uh, large folding knife. And, uh, and a card case. From which, uh, ah, from which this slip of paper is projecting. Bearing writing in the scrawling feminine hand. Reading, I will be there, you may be sure, Mordy. Does this lady's name convey anything to you, Sasser? No. And yet, uh, I shouldn't like to say it. Very well. Then I propose that as soon as Murdoch returns with the police, we go up to the school and, with your permission, examine the contents of McPherson's room. Oh, by all means. If there has been one letter, there may have been more. Let us hope that they may provide at least one clue to this quite singular problem. Those are all the letters I can find, Holmes. And quite sufficient to establish that poor McPherson was carrying on quite an intimate relationship with Miss Maud Bellamy. I, uh, I thought it might be so. But it was none of my business. Miss Maud Bellamy, a member of your staff, Mr. Sexton? Oh, good gracious, no. no. She's the daughter of old Tom Bellamy, who owns all the boats and bathing huts at Fulworth. <laughs> oh, she's a beauty, Watson. She'd draw attention anywhere. Her father is quite a man of substance, isn't he, Sacker? Oh, indeed. He used to be a fisherman, but he's come up a long way. Mm, I see. Shall you be going to see Miss Bellamy, Holmes? Watson is a rare connoisseur of beauty, Sacker. <laughs> I fancy it would be a form of cruelty not to do as he suggests. Now, Holmes. <laughs> yes, my dear Watson, we shall go immediately to see the lady. It may be that we shall find nothing to connect today's horrible affair with their relationship. But one thing is certain... 
Poor McPherson did not inflict those injuries on himself. His circle of acquaintances and his lonely place was surely limited. So let us follow it up in every possible direction, and we can hardly fail to come upon the motive which, in turn, should lead us to the criminal. Here's Bellamy, Ah, the Haven. Mm. Mm, not bad, is it? For a man who started with nothing but... By Jove. Murdoch coming out. Murdoch, you second. Confound it. What were you doing in there, Murdoch? I beg your pardon. You heard me very well. I demand to know what you're up to. I am your subordinate under your roof, sir. I am not aware that I owe you any account of my private actions. That is pure impertinence, Mr. Murdoch. Your question might come under that same heading. This is not the first time I've had to suffer your insubordinate ways. Ah. It will certainly be the last. You will kindly make fresh arrangements for your future as speedily as you can. I had intended to do so. I have lost today the only person who made the place habitable. I shall not trouble you further with my presence. Behold. It's not an impossible, intolerable man. Yet his connection with McPherson and now with the Bellamy household could prove of vital importance. Stackhurst, when we've done here, you must return at once to your establishment and persuade Murdoch by threat or apology to remain in your employment at least until this inquiry is completed. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Holmes. I didn't realize... Never mind, my dear fellow. I realize you were under great provocation, Stacker, but please, please, no further outbursts. Whatever we're about to hear, we cannot afford to sacrifice the most slender hope of a clue. Of course. I am sorry, Holmes. Who oh, is you, Mr. Stacker? Uh, yes, Mr. Bellamy. I have come... Uh, we've come, um... Oh, this, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and, uh, Dr. Watson, uh, Mr. Bellamy. And you? Uh, we've come, I'm afraid, with some, uh, some distressing news concerning your daughter. Oh, I know all about that. Your Mr. Murdoch has just been here. He told you? Oh, well, Mr. Bellamy, it's quite understandable that Mr. Murdoch should have felt moved to break the news to you, but it was hardly tactful without a full knowledge of the particulars. Uh, Mr. Stackhurst has brought us here so that we may answer any questions Miss Bellamy may wish to ask. Uh, you want no questions? No particulars. To my mind, this McPherson's attentions to my maud were nothing lesser than insult. Insult? Yes, sir. The word marriage was never mentioned between them. Would you call that then? All these letters and meetings and goings on. And her with no mother and only a father to try to protect her. Father, please. Yes, sir. Father, how can you stand discussing things like this, practically in the street? Please, gentlemen, will you come inside? Oh, well, let's come in. Thank you. Let's take a seat. I'm sorry, Mr. Sackler, but you know my feelings now. Please, Father. Gentlemen, I know that Fitzroy McPherson is dead. Do not be afraid to tell me the particulars. May I ask what Mr. Murdoch has already told you, Miss Bellamy? Only that... that he was found on the beach. And that it was as... as if... as if he'd been flogged to death. I'm afraid, Miss Bellamy, that there's every appearance of a crime having been committed. As to who might have been responsible, that's one of the reasons why we've hastened to you. Mr. Holmes, if I can help to show who did it, it is the least I can do. No more. 
I've already warned you not to get bought into it. This is my business, Father. Kindly let me manage it in my own way. Bring them to justice, Mr. Holmes, whoever they may be. Thank you. I value a woman's instinct in such matters. Uh, you use the word they. You think that more than one was concerned? I knew Mr. McPherson well enough. He was a brave and strong man. No single person could have done this thing to him. Quite right, Miss Bellamy. I quite agree, um, Miss Bellamy, might I have a word with you alone? I tell you, Maud, don't get mixed up in this. Mr. Bellamy, the whole world will know the fact presently, so there can be no harm if I discuss them here. I should have preferred privacy. But if you will not allow it, you must share the deliberation. I'm sorry, Miss Bellamy. This, uh, this note is bound to be produced at the inquest. May I ask you to throw any light upon it that you can? What note's that? I wrote it. Agreeing to meet Mr. McPherson. Why, you little... I see no reason for mystery. Now he's dead. We were engaged to be married. Uh, you might have said, girl. So I would, Father, if you'd ever shown sympathy. But we had to keep it secret, too, because Fitzroy's uncle might have cut him off if he'd married against his wish. I understand. When was your appointment to meet Mr. McPherson? Tonight. The note you found on him from me was in answer to this one of his. Dearest, the old place on the beach, just after sunset on Tuesday. It is the only time I can get away. That's This never came through the post. How did you get it? I, I would rather not answer that, Mr. Holmes. It has nothing to do with this. Your investigation. Miss Bellamy, these, these people who might have done this thing had Mr. McPherson any enemies. Not that I know. Yes, but you yourself, Miss Bellamy. Had you any other particular admirers? Oh, now, look here, sir. I, I have had, Mr. Holmes. So I can imagine. May I ask if Mr. Ian Murdoch is one of them? There... There was a time when I thought he was. But that was all changed when he... When he understood the relations between Fitzroy and me. I see. Thank you, Miss Bellamy, for your frankness. We have a tangled skein in our hands, but this visit may have given me a glimpse of one free end of it. Come, Watson, we must proceed with our further inquiries without delay. It's all very well, Holmes, but these aren't our Baker Street days anymore. You kept me here over a week now, away from my practice, my wife. Oh, my humble abode's not comfortable enough for you, perhaps. Oh, not at all. Too comfortable. Go on, do help yourself to some more brandy and soda. Um, well, perhaps so. My dear Watson, you'd never forgive me were I to let you go now. Depend on it. In all your chronicles, your readers will find no case which brought me so completely to the limit of my powers. Mm-hmm. You gave me an impression it was as good as solved after that talk with Miss Bellamy. I'd hoped as much. But a dead man on a deserted beach, apparently trapped to death, yet with no evidence to be found of any adversary. Oh, no, Watson. Even my imagination can conceive of no solution. Well, my so-called readers wouldn't credit us with trying very hard if they could see us sprawled here in front of the fire with this delicious aroma of dinner wafting all around us. Oh. Here's the good lady responsible. I was just about to say, Mrs. Hudson, if that dinner tastes one half as good as it smells... You may judge that for yourself in just 15 minutes' time, sir. If I may lay the table. 
Uh, not like Baker Street, eh, Mrs. Hudson? Meals at all hours. I'll never forget that time Mr. Holmes told you he'd be back for dinner at 7.30. Eh? The day after tomorrow. <laughs> During the, uh, the Mazarin Stone affair, wasn't it? Hmm, I think it was, sir. Oh, I remember that case very well. Quite amusing, I thought. Not at all like this sad matter. No, here. no, no. And now this business about Mr. Maxfield's dog. You mean the time that man Murdoch threw it through a window? Oh, no, sir. I mean today. But this is his husband. What about McPherson's dog? Why, dead, sir. Died of grief for it, master. Who told you this? Oh, everyone's talking of it, sir. Oh, I thought you'd have heard. Evidently, it took on terribly after its master died. What do you mean to bite all week? Then today, two young gentlemen from Mr. Sackhurst's place found it dead. Down on the beach, sir, at the very place where its master met his end. At the very place? Yes, yes. That the dog should have died of grief is consistent with the beautiful, faithful nature of dogs. But at the very place, could it be possible that Holmes... You're surely not suggesting that someone deliberately went... Quickly, something's building in my mind. I must catch it before it disintegrates again. Get your coat. Oh, Mr. Holmes. We're going out now. To sack her. To see this poor animal for ourselves, if it's there, then to the beach. But it'll soon be dark. And don't do that. Yes. Quick, thin man, before the one clue we had escaped us. Oh, very well. I'm going. <clears throat> and just as you'd said, Doctor, that it wasn't like Baker Street anymore. Now, here we are, Watson. Uh, what you hope to find, Holmes, I'm blessed if I can think. Yes. Here. Uh, and here. Yes. The marks made by that faithful little dog searching round the spot where his master had laid. See, even down to where he'd been about to take that last thing. What does it tell you? I don't know, Watson. I don't know. You remember the agony of McPherson's death? Remember the agony we saw written plain on the features of that faithful little creature just now? You see a connection? I see similarities which suggest a connection. What this might be... Come along. We must be getting home. Ah, I'm sure Mrs. Hudson won't have let that dinner, right? Dinner? Oh, perhaps, Watson, later, but uh, first, research. Research? How often have I likened my mind to a box room crowded with packets of out-of-the-way knowledge without scientific system, but very available for the needs of my work? Oh, oh. very often. <laughs> well, you'll be delighted to hear that I've just opened one of those packets. It has proved to contain a vague memory which I trust will guide us through a labyrinth of books to a fact for which I've been unconsciously grasping all this week. We must test it to the full. <laughs> oh, Holmes, Holmes. You'll never change. Thank you. Holmes, wait for me. No, it's no use, Watson. It isn't here. Oh, it strikes me as just about every other blessed book that's ever been published is. I was compelled to discard a portion of my library when I left Baker Street. I hesitated at the time. This has brought my folly home to me. All information is likely to be useful of some time. Well, it just can't be helped, Holmes. And now, I really think that... I know. Stackhurst has a splendid library. If we're in luck, you'll have the very worst. Come, Watson. Oh, Holmes, you realize what time it is? Huh? No. Well, it's nearly eleven. Stackhurst's establishment will be in peace and darkness by now. You realize that poor woman, Mrs. Hudson, is sitting out there in her kitchen waiting for the word to serve the remains of what promised to be a splendid dinner. 
Oh, dear me, Watson, I had no idea. Fortunately, Holmes, there are others who care for your welfare, even if you don't yourself. Must I remind you yet again that the eccentric habits of your youth are not fitted to a man of your years, or for that matter, mine. But, Watson, whether you're hungry and tired or not, I am. Mrs. Hudson! We're going to dine and then enjoy our night's sleep, Holmes. Stackhurst Library can perfectly well wait until the morning. If the scent cools, Watson, yours will be the blame. Oh, very well. You called, Doctor? Yes, Mrs. Hudson, I did. Only one kind of scent interests me just now, Holmes, and I fancy it'll lead to rewarding results. Mrs. Hudson, kindly serve our dinner. Oh. Mr. Holmes and I apologize for the inconvenience we have caused you. Yes, sir. Just two minutes, gentlemen. <laughs> My dear Watson. Hey, Holmes, I hope you're somewhere near the right track. Uh, this book, perhaps? Thank you. Oh, no. Now, if only the author's name hadn't escaped me. It, um, it had a chocolate-colored binding, I feel sure. Well, I did, as you requested. I'm persuaded Murdoch to stay on here. I'm beginning to wish I hadn't. I feel sure the police are on the point of arresting him. You won't do much for this establishment so far as reputation goes, you know. My dear Stackers, I assure you no one is more alive to your position than I. Hence this early visit and our untimely breakfast, eh, Watson? <laughs> your revenge, Holmes. And I hope you're satisfied. Yes, but think, Stackers, not even the local police would arrest Murdoch on the evidence they have. They have your testimony that when you discovered McPherson in agony, that beach was quite empty. They have the word of Watson and myself as well as yours that Murdoch approached us along the beach from a direction he couldn't possibly have come if he'd attacked McPherson only moments before. Besides which, were surely agreed as to the impossibility of his having inflicted the outrage single-handed, even on a man who was partly crippled. Oh, good help me! For the love of heaven! Murdoch! Randy! Ah, oh, come on. Randy! Get him on the sofa. Very carefully now. I have him. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some brandy. Here, Murdoch, get that down. More. Oh, more. Oh. oh, an oil. Oil, anything to ease the pain. Oil? Oh, what do you mean? Bring him uh, more brandy, please, Sackler. Uh, yes, at once. Oh. Watson, the memory I've been thinking has returned to me. Get oh. this man's jacket off. Gently, very, very gently. All right. Another flogging. Oh. I noticed that those were all awry, just as my first one. Here. Good Lord. Now, drink this, murder. He meant uh, oil to soothe his wounds. Uh, now, uh, Watson, attend to him. Yes. I fancy we shall learn that he suffered this in exactly oh. the same part of the beach as McPherson. Oh. And if this man's heart had been weak as McPherson's was, he wouldn't be here now. The beach? Uh, well, yes, of course. I saw him setting off for a swim a little while ago. Precisely. Now, give him plenty of brandy. If my memory serves me, as I think it does at last, it's a prime remedy. Oh, he'll be all right, sir. Captain, we'll pay another visit to the beach ourselves, where we shall see if I can't deliver our murderer into your hands, Tacker. The murderer? And we'll take with us, uh, assuming that you possess it, the book which we've been so haphazardly seeking. I've remembered its name. It's Out of Doors by J.G. Ward. Oh, yes, I have that. Excellent. And now, let's do what we can to ease this poor fellow's pain. Here we are. Now, gentlemen, could anything be more deceptively innocent 
than this crystal lagoon. Well, it certainly looks innocuous to me. What are we supposed to be looking for, Holmes? Well, I can't see anything. Except except what I, too, can see, Thatcher. What? Where? On that rocky shelf, Watson. Yes. Can't you see a somewhat hairy-looking creature lying there under the water? I... Great heaven, for the... For the tangled mass of yellow hair, streaks of silver amongst it. Like a lion's mane, perhaps? By Jove, Holmes. And one which has done mischief enough. I fancy we're justified in ending its murderous career with this stone. Now then. Oh, well aimed, Holmes. Fair and square. So, our mystery is solved. was the thing. I'm a native of the Sussex coast, but I never saw such a thing before. It doesn't belong to these parts. Just as well for Sussex. It may have been the southwest gale that brought it up the night before McPherson died. Now, where's this book? Yeah. Ah, here we are. Now, the author writes of an encounter with such a creature while swimming once off the coast of Kent. Ah. Here's a very section. Now, listen to this. If the bather should see a loose, roundish mass of tawny membranes and fibers, something like very large handfuls of lion's mane and silver paper, let him beware, for this is the fearful stinger Cyania capillata. I never heard of it. Wood goes on to describe how it radiates almost invisible filaments to a distance of some 50 feet. Even at that distance, the effect when they touched him was almost fatal. He says, the multitudinous threads caused light scarlet lines upon the in charge, as it were, with red-hot needles making their way through to the nerves. And leaving the appearance of a flogging. Precisely. He says that had he not had immediate access to brandy, by the by, he came to have got down a whole bottleful, he's certain he would have expired. So great was the pain and its effect on his heart. Yes, quite ugly. Remarkable. But tell me, Holmes, how did you chance to associate that with these events here? Well, that phrase, the lion's mane haunted my mind above all the other features of this case. I knew that I'd seen it somewhere in an unexpected context. You've seen how accurately it describes the creature. Indeed. I've no doubt that McPherson saw it floating on the water after it had stung him. The phrase he used was the only one by which he could convey to us the cause of his death. <laughs> well, thank heaven it's solved. And it clears Murdoch. But what about his jealousy of McPherson over Miss Bellamy? As a lifelong expert upon the psychology of love and romance, Watson, <laughs> wouldn't you think that once Murdoch realized that the woman he desired had come to prefer his best friend, his only wish was to serve her happiness, no doubt as go-between and message carrier in their concealed relationship? Well, perhaps so, Holmes, but... Dear me. Yet, I fancy I'm not far from the truth. Well, we must set Murdoch's mind at rest. And Miss Bellamy. You know, had the body been found in the water, I could hardly have missed the truth. I allowed myself to be misled by a dry towel. The poor fellow had not paused to dry himself, and I assumed that he'd never been in the water. Ah, that was where I went sadly astray. No, gentlemen, I've often charged the official police in my time for lack of imagination, but the lion's mane, Cyania capillata, very nearly avenged Scotland Yard. 
The Lion's Mane by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was adapted for radio by Michael Hardwick. The part of Sherlock Holmes was played by Carlton Hobbs and Dr. Watson by Norman Shelley. Stackhurst, Gerard Green. Murdoch, Henry Davis. Bellany, Humphrey Morton. Maud Bellany, Pat Presence. Mrs. Hudson, Janet Morrison. The production was by Graham Gould. On Radio 2 at 8.15 on Thursday, you can hear His Last Bow. Sherlock Holmes. We present the 